You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Today is the question of what happened to Jesus after the resurrection. So, you know, Nancy, I know. Tell I us know. a little bit it's, about this. It's it's um, it's the key, really. If he hadn't stayed, I, I don't know where the well. There probably wouldn't be a church, and people would uh, have not known what to do with the idea of an empty tomb. So, uh, like God, always He wants to make sure we get it. <laughs> and he's, he, he, clearly, he clearly did. But I, I think we need to remember, as we think about the resurrection, this is, this is what hinges Christianity from all other religions. And it's the bodily death in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Just, it is, without a doubt, the most impactful event in world history. And it, what makes it so amazing, not only that Jesus died and rose again, proving he's God, but uh, God wanted to make it absolutely clear that Jesus was Messiah. And we see this in the scripture with 333 prophecies in the Old and New Testaments concerning his death and his life and, and resurrection. Uh, all of those, every single one of them came to be. And that's why when we celebrate uh, this amazing event and we see Jesus hanging on, on the cross, we see the completion of his mission that he forecasted soon after or right after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. So this whole idea of God dying for our sins is not new. Uh, it was throughout the Bible, and it's like God's crescendo. And mm. <clears throat> I can't imagine what was going on in heaven at that time. And and uh, but it's very cool. And the idea that he completed it and it was successful on his own—he really didn't need humans to help him out with this. But the the last words that Jesus spoke before he died was to Telestai. Uh, meaning it is finished. And tetelestai is an accounting term that means it's paid in full. And what was paid in full, we should ask. And Jesus was simply declaring that the debt owed to his father was wiped away completely and forever by his own sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice for, for our sins. So, uh, amazing event in the empty tomb was just a, you know, a, a big crescendo mm. on the end of that. You know, all I'm sitting here listening to you, Nancy. <laughs> I'm thinking too that anyone who was who was passing by or there that day that would have heard him say to Telestai, they would have known what that word meant, but they may not have understood why on earth would someone who is about to die say that he must be out of his mind. He's talking out of his yeah. head, but they would find out very soon exactly what that meant but before we get there uh jesus did not immediately go to heaven upon his death on the cross why yes and and i just think it's just so god's nature you were talking about god as a relational god we're gonna see massive relationships uh that began after his death and resurrection uh because it's his nature he died that the sin 
might be wiped out the debt of for those who believe. But God is a relational God. He did this because he wants to have a relationship with us. What? Why? I don't know, really. But uh, he didn't go to heaven. He stayed for 40 days before his ascension, and he appeared several times as the resurrected Christ to all kinds of different people. Why? Because he died for all people. And he did this to make sure, and it's so important we get this, in the court of law, the greatest uh, uh, evidence that is given in a court of law even today is eyewitness, that people knew for sure that Jesus was alive. They saw the holes in his hand. They saw the the spear mark uh, in his side, and boom, there he was, alive. And he wanted to make sure that the writers of history during that time recorded the truth. They saw it. And a lot of these people didn't become followers, but they did. They were writing about, and this Jesus died and rose again, confirming the fact that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. And he wanted to spend more time with the disciples, making sure they understood what their future responsibilities were going to be. Amazing. Well, I tell you, you know, there's intentionality in everything about the Lord. And this, I believe, was firmly intentional. Jesus didn't appear to his disciples first. He... He appeared to someone else first. He revealed himself. Tell us about that story. Yes, and you're, you know, that's what makes this story so amazing. Yeah. Is that Jesus just defied all a man's rules. Women didn't even have a voice. That's, that's the whole thing. And Mary Magdalene <clears throat> went to the empty tomb first in the morning. You know, uh, and an angel told her, you know, Jesus isn't in here, isn't here. And she was instructed to go and tell the disciples. And Peter, isn't that interesting? The one that denied Jesus, separating him out to make sure Peter was still loved and included as a disciple. You just have to love God for this, for the writing here. And she went to them. And of course, the disciples didn't believe her because she was a woman. And then finally, I think, because she was so excited and and just out of her mind with joy and uh, not really understanding why the tomb was empty at that time, they ran to see and they followed and she followed behind. And, you know, the story about Peter and John running. But but the point here is that Mary Magdalene went back to the tomb and after the disciples left, it said, and they went home, Mary stayed. Mary stayed. Mm-hmm. Why was Mary... Uh, what kind of relationship with, did Mary Magdalene have with God? She was she was demon possessed, and He healed her from seven demons, and she became a friend and a follower. And of course, instead of the disciples, Jesus said, "Ah, I'm going to go see Mary. I, Mary will be the first one to see me of all things." And and Mark 16 says this: When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with them, who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive, that she had seen them, they did not believe it. So scripture is very clear as to what happened. And Jesus, you know, uh, appeared 
to so many people. I just want to share a few of these. You know, the story of how he miraculously appeared to two men while they were walking in a small village. And the point here is, Jesus didn't go for the big name people. He didn't appear to Pontius, no. He went to two men. And he explained to them all the biblical verses that pertain to his coming and his death and resurrection. And these men had no idea to whom they were speaking. Um, But Jesus uh, eventually opened their eyes after spending a good deal of time with them when he broke bread with them. Isn't that interesting? And then what did Christ do? They understood that he was the Messiah for some reason. As you say, it wasn't an an accident that he met these men. It was intentional. And then, boom, he vanished. And this story is told in Luke 24, if you want to check it out. Uh, Now, the same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that would happen. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. And Jesus himself came up, walked with them. Isn't that just like God? Walked with them. And they were kept from recognizing him. So there you have it. Uh, God cared, and he went, and for whatever reason, second was was these two men. And it seems, uh, Nancy, you know, he saved the disciples almost for last. <laughs> he made them wait. <laughs> what was happening when he finally showed himself to them? You know, isn't it something... Uh, Yes, and, and this is such a great story, and it should be an encouragement to all of us disciples, uh, because Jesus, obviously, his heart beat with them. The future of the church was in their hands, but he didn't run to them quickly or appear to them quickly uh, uh, for whatever reasons he had, but it's a beautiful story. I mean, here they are. Uh, hiding in a room someplace uh, from the Jewish leader in fear that they would do to them what they did to Jesus, clearly. And these, uh, uh, they all they all left Jesus out of fear. And huddling, especially Peter, you know, terrified of what, what Jesus would say to him at this point. But for reasons unknown, uh, Thomas wasn't in this group the first time he met with the disciples. And it's so amazing that uh, after he met with the disciples appeared, by the way, he didn't walk through any walls, so let's get rid of that or open the door or unlock the door. He simply appears. He's good at that. And so, as he did with the men on the road, so he appears and Thomas isn't there. Knowing Thomas's heart, it's like the shepherd with the lost sheep. He didn't just leave it to Thomas to hear it from them. He returned again when Thomas was present and showed him the nail marks in his hands. And, and the, there's such a beautiful story, so many stories to this. But it's in John 20, we read, And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said this, and he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not they are not forgiven. Why was he saying this at this point to them? Because he wanted them to know for sure 
that their sins were forgiven, including their sin of abandoning uh, Jesus. And there, there again, very, as you say, Steve, very intentional. And of course, Peter then, you know, uh, uh, saw his his hands and, and could put his hands in, in, in the nail marks. And I'm not sure he did. He saw him, whether or not he actually carried through with that. But again, he went for the least of these, and that includes us, with the idea of being forgiven. But uh, he also uh, appeared to over 500 people at, at one time. Why? Because he wanted them to know uh, that he was the risen Christ. Again, uh, all kinds of people, not just the wealthy or the poor, a mix of people. So the, so the community, the culture could say, it is true. He has died and risen again. And Jesus, um, again, showed himself to seven of the disciples when they were fishing in Galilee. And I, and I love this picture. Uh, Peter was there, no fish, and, and that happened apparently more than once. And Jesus uh, yelled from the shore, Peter and John and, and James, to throw out their net. And they filled it with a, a 513 fish. Why does that matter? I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. And he was absolutely amazed, not at the number of fish, but that the, the, the nets didn't break. That's what he was so amazed. That was the miracle for him, because that number of fish was beyond the limit of a net, way beyond, but yet they didn't break. And what did Jesus do? Uh, talk about a relational God. He made them breakfast, essentially. He made them a bread and fish breakfast, and it's so cool. We see this in John 21. And then they got out on land, and they saw the charcoal fire in place when the fish were laid out in bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some bread that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled uh, the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. And now the disciple dared to ask him, you ready? Who are you? <laughs> None of them dared to ask. They, this is the resurrected Christ they were seeing. It was so crazy. And they knew, but they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And now it was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Do you remember the last time he was with them? He, they, they had communion together. And here we see not communion necessarily, but, but a reflection of what he told them, that do this in remembrance of me. And next thing you know, he's breaking bread with them and feeding them. So again, just this beautiful story. God was in no hurry. He was building relationships with masses, but also with his disciples. Obviously, he, he was resurrected, and he began to appear to people. He has now appeared to the disciples, and then, Nancy, then the day of right. Pentecost finally came. Yes. Tell us about day it. Day 40. Day 40. And, you know, <clears throat> the day of Pentecost, the birth of the New Testament church. Uh, and this is when God gave his spirit to more than 3,000 people in Acts 2. You can read about it. And Jesus' ministry after the resurrection, then uh, the reason why he saved, it set the groundwork, not only for those listeners and verifying that he died and rose again, rose again, but it set the groundwork for the beginning of a healthy Christian church. 
And it's so good to go back and to hear Peter's sermon and, and what happened during that, the excitement, the idea that the Holy Spirit was really going to be the voice in the church. And, and it was amazing. But Jesus's uh, message to the church back then, I'm going to share what he had to say to them before he arose, but it's also the same as it was to the disciple in the same for what really it is to us. And this is, this is so cool. The Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28. And now the 11 disciples went to Galilee into the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Can you imagine the excitement? And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded of you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Acts 1, 8 through 11 but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes in a cloud, uh, hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And that was it. Jesus had accomplished once again what he came to do. And people got to witness the resurrected Christ, but also experience his love and concern. And wow, you talk about relationships with the holy God. You can only imagine. You can only imagine God's love for the disciples and all that he met and the joy that God had when people recognized him as the Savior. Finally, all the prophecies fulfilled with many left because somebody is going to come down from the sky and call the church to him called the rapture. And that has yet to come, but... Um, yeah, it's ex- so exciting. Well, it truly is because, you know, Nancy, we already know the promises that are held for us in God's Word. So why would we ever doubt or have any reservation mm-hmm. as to what has been described here? You know, all of the things that the Lord has put into action have come to fruition. He uses uh, his angels for deliverance of those messages, and we have Mm -hmm. seen the miraculous happen through the life of Jesus Christ. And yet we look and we stand in a world where there are so many people who have not heard the hope of Jesus Christ and heard this gospel message of who right. came to deliver us from our sin. And it's a, it is such an important part, and that's why the worldview ministry work that you do and that Anchors Away does together uh, is so vitally important that we know God's promise, we come into a relationship with him, we live out that Christian worldview, and we can stand on 
our worldview and we can speak to the world around us and share the hope that we have, but also defend that hope as well. And that's why it's so important. I want to encourage every single person right now to go to anchorsaway.org or go to killingsteve.org. Click under the resources tab under the alphabetical listings right there. Find it amongst the A's, anchorsaway.org. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.